I come to church because I fill in the blank. Each of us has to do it for ourselves. Some of us say, well, I go because it's a habit. Well, it's a nice habit to have. Or I go because I'm supposed to. I'm a Catholic. If I don't go to Mass, I'm, I, it's a mortal sin unless I have a very good reason not to go. Or I go because my family expects me to go. Each of us has to fill in that blank for ourselves. I go to church because... For me, it is because a long, long time ago now, before I was a Catholic, it was in a Catholic church where I encountered Jesus. I was grasped by the holy and unconditional love of the divine. I knew I had walked on sacred ground. I never had that experience in my Protestant church. The only true, authentic human response to such an encounter is worship. And worship fundamentally is gratitude expressed within the community with awe, joy, and ongoing personal conversion that lasts for a lifetime. Now, our gospel text is a continuation of last weekend's gospel. You all remember last weekend's gospel, don't you? Okay, what did the, what did the 12 go and do? Come on, all those who remember, raise your hands. They went to heal, very good, to expel demons, to teach, and to, and to heal people by anointing them with oil. Well, they have just come back from this ministry, and they are just so excited because they had gone and they expelled demons. They had gone and they healed the sick. And they were, like to me anyway, they were like little kids on a baseball team who had just pounded their rival into the ground. And now they wanted to relive every dynamic and aspect of the game. And I get the sense they're all vying for Jesus' attention to tell the Lord all the great things that they did. You notice Jesus doesn't respond to any of it. You see, he knew something about them that they didn't know about themselves. He knew they were tired before they knew it. And he knows how tired we are when we come to the divine liturgy. Tired from work. Tired from family responsibilities. Tired from disappointments. Tired of trying to meet everyone's expectations. Tired from the endless assaults of life, exhausted maybe by personal failures, drained from all kinds of worries, usually over stuff we have absolutely no control over, beaten down from trying to fight off or compromise with a crazy world that will settle for nothing less than our souls. The twelve were ready to crash, and at times, so are we. And so the Lord said to them, and he says to us, come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. You ever think of the church as a deserted place? In a sense, it kind of is. 
because while the church is called to minister to the world, minister in the world, the church is also called to be set apart from the world, if only for a short while, so that we can listen to the Lord in his gospel, be renewed in his love, be forgiven and be strengthened by his body and blood in the Eucharist. Everybody who comes to the divine liturgy does so consciously or not, Catholic or not, because it offers an encounter with Jesus Christ, who alone can renew and refresh us. Otherwise, there really is no point in being here. And with what I imagine probably took all the energy and patience of herding cats, the Lord managed to get his excited and jibber-jabbering apostles into the boat and shoved off. The church was heading for rest. When they arrived, they found the crowds waiting for them, having run along the shore to meet them. It was not out of faith. They, like so many of us, were miracle junkies. Give me another miracle. Give me another miracle. I want to see a miracle. Give me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But don't ask me to believe. There is nothing to suggest that the apostles were involved with the crowds. I suspect Jesus was probably pretty stern with them. Boys, go and rest. He knows, as we often do not, we are not designed to function 24-7 nonstop. Jesus, alone with the crowds, spent his time, we are told, teaching them many things. Now, what did he teach? Well, we don't know. It would be safe, I think, to assume that his teaching was to prepare them for the grace of faith. Since verses 35 to 43, we're going to show the Lord multiplying five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 5,000 people. Teaching preceded the miracle because the miracle was to invite people to believe for themselves, to take the risk of believing for themselves that Jesus is Lord, Messiah, Savior. You see, faith is never imposed from without. Never. God has infinite respect for our free will. But faith is always prodded from within. But why is this grace of faith in Jesus so important? Well, you know, there's a very popular heresy today among many Christians. Perhaps some of us right here this morning have uncritically accepted it. It goes something like this. Well, I know I'm not a perfect person. But I'm basically a good person. And I'm okay with God. Well, here's the problem. No human being is basically good. Sorry. Not one of us in this church is an angel. No human being is basically evil. Not one of us in this church is a demon, although I suspect sometimes we might think that. Every human being, however, is basically screwed up. 
Look at St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians in the second chapter. It reveals the natural condition of man outside of God. Now, left to our own natural condition, we are hopelessly lost in death. We are completely powerless to save ourselves. Evil becomes something to be tolerated. Good becomes something to be scorned at. Sin becomes natural. We are, in essence, like a rotting corpse that has no power to reconstitute itself and raise itself out of its own grave. We have only two choices. Live according to our fallen nature and lose ourselves to the wackiness of this world. Or accept the grace of faith in Jesus and receive his strength to live in this world and transform this world as he desires. There's no in-between. There's no compromise. There are no options. And the refusal to make a choice, to kind of straddle the spiritual fence without making any kind of commitment, is a choice for death. Jesus tells us in John's Gospel, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Greek uses ego imi, I am, for the Hebrew, ea asher ea, I am who I am. Jesus is saying, I am God. Therefore, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to salvation. There is no other source of truth. There is no other way to life. The way, the truth, and the life is not to be found in philosophical speculation. I know, I've been there, tried, doesn't work. It is not found in other religions. Although whatever is holy, true, and just in those religions points to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life are not found in the political arena. And they are the way, the truth, and the life are never found in the flimsiness of our feelings. They are found in a person, a divine person, the Son of the living God, Jesus. It is only when we accept the grace to believe in Jesus we become truly alive. We become members of the kingdom of heaven, and we know the security of belonging to our true homeland, even while we have to slog our way through the filth of all these earthly kingdoms that, quite frankly, are heading for disaster and collapse. The grace of faith is sheer gift. We don't deserve it. We cannot earn it. We do not merit it. It is simply given out of divine charity and love. And all that we can do is accept it and allow ourselves to be enveloped in it. Like a baby in distress yields to being wrapped in its mother's arms. United to Jesus through the sacrament, especially of baptism and Eucharist, his grace is infused in us to help us live this life fully and with hope because his grace helps us to glimpse ourselves, each other, the world, as Jesus does. And all the titles and all the categories that we craft 
to justify division, separation, even hatred, become meaningless when we enter the boat, the ark of salvation, the church Jesus personally established to be his body on earth. And to stay outside of this boat is to be lost. Whatever else may go on, there is no legitimate excuse to stay outside. Whatever our reason for coming to church, Jesus is the one who invites. Jesus is the one who greets. Jesus is the one who speaks to us in his living voice in the gospel. Jesus is the one who feeds us with his body and blood, renewing us and infusing us with his grace to finish our pilgrimage through this life. And just as importantly, to help each other finish their pilgrimages as well until we are all at last safe in our true homeland.